welcome to another episode of Sit Down and Think, where we get the skinny on what is happening in the world of animation straight from the industry itself. With Amphibia wrapping up its phenomenal season two, I'm sitting down with a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen and in-betweens, Amphibia creator and showrunner, Matt Braley. So it's hey great guys. to have you on, Matt. You got so I'm imagining you got you're riding a bit of a high right now with so much praise you've been getting from season two and all and as much people were so surprised by you know the finale and everything. So I imagine you're definitely right. You and possibly all of the crew are riding a massive high right now. Yeah, it's been really really exciting for us. I mean, um, honestly, I I don't think I've ever had one of our episodes uh get such a positive reaction you know what i mean like we we absolutely have had episodes that people loved but this one i just uh we feel like we're drowning a little bit in in positivity which is which is great you know what i mean because this episode has had quite the kind of like history around it you know what i mean um and uh but we're so we're so glad that people enjoyed it we're so glad that people uh really enjoyed season two and are excited for season three yeah i definitely could say like I, I definitely could say this. When I watched the finale, by the time it was over, I was, I literally was shaking. Like I was so hyped up, and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> like I'm like, "Geez, I need, I need, oh, awesome. I got to sit that's... for a minute." That was so, that was intense. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just so much. It, yeah, it yeah. So well you know, <laughs> when uh, um, one of our board artists, Silver Paul, uh, when we had the table read, I think he turned to me and he said, "This is." crazy in the best possible way you know what i mean like and, and also during that table read and the table read is it's a lot of folks's first time like even hearing the story you know what i mean mm-hmm. there were so many moments where I, I i had to kind of stop and say just hear me out hear me out you know what i mean like you know what I mean? like stay right. with me now because now <laughs> it's gonna get crazy you know <laughs> <laughs> right like i imagine that that's what it was it's like we, look we're killing we're gonna be doing some stuff that's like all right, <laughs> like people need to buckle up, and we did. Yeah, we just need to yeah, go it's, Exactly, exactly. Like you know, and we were so excited making it, and we were just we were sitting on this thing. You know what I mean? For so long, and and we're so happy that it's out there, and that it seems like people were as kind of surprised. You know what I mean? <laughs> as we oh, were yes. hoping. And I think too that like it's such an it's such an escalation. The episode is is really like a runaway train at a certain point. You know? Right. I think that's it. I definitely can feel that by the midpoint because in the first half, you definitely feel like it's like, okay, I know where I know what this is, you know, the rebellion and all that. And you think that's what it's mainly about. It's like, but then you get to the second half. It's like, wait, wait, wait. The the wheels popped off the train. The conductors passed out. Everyone's like, there's a monkey on board. What's happening? (laughs) It's just (laughs) insane. Yeah. I wanted it to feel, we wanted it to feel like the characters had lost complete control of the situation <laughs> and it was just getting worse and worse for them. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. I definitely, definitely felt like it's like, yeah, it, no one, no one's in control of this situation anymore. <laughs> like, if you think the bad guys are in control, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they're not. And if you think the good guys are in control, yeah, they're definitely not. <laughs> so I think you guys definitely did a phenomenal yeah, job yeah. Like, and, keeping it. So off being able to throw people off with what was to be expected. 
So yeah, yeah, and there's a lot in there. It's a lot. It's a jam-packed 24 minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, de- it definitely is jam-packed. And I think it all, it culminates perfectly together, honestly. So I definitely say bravo to you and the crew on that front. Oh, thank definitely. you. No, we really appreciate it. I mean, the, the episode, it means so much to us. And like, again, the kind of story around it, the, the whole problem with the release and the mystique, you know what I mean? It's, it's really made it at least memorable. You know what I mean? And there's, yeah. there's parts about like, you know, there were compromises made in terms of like how it had to come out. The vision was intact, but there were certain things that like needed to be put on either side of the episode in order for the studio to feel comfortable. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely could tell by the end of it. It's like, mm, yep, I, that definitely had to be the, stu- the studio. Definitely had to be like sweating from that moment. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, and like maybe we can get into it a little bit later. But like, it is it is such a like I'm such a relief that that people liked it because man, it, it is a silver lining. You know what I mean? Like it's been it's been sort of a tough time. You know the the politics and dealing with it, but like it's been so satisfying to see people react. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll definitely get a bit more into it, but for now, I definitely want to ask you, what was your journey to the world of animation that led you to creating your own show? Like what were your biggest inspirations getting into it? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I always love to draw, you know what I mean? From a very young age, I love to draw transformers and Mortal Kombat characters. That was like huge for me. I'm a big Sonic fan. I would draw a lot of Sonic stuff too. You know, we are really just a combination of our influences. And, and for me, that's that's fairly obvious. I think when you watch Amphibia, you're like, well, this dude loves Zelda. Oh, and he loves Sonic. And I think he loves, you know what I mean? Like all these things, <laughs> like Chrono Trigger and, and, you know, like about 20 <laughs> video games all kind of like packed in. It's like a love letter to things that, you know, I grew up with. But, um, you know, I didn't uh, take uh, drawing seriously as a career until I got to high school. There was a man who came... Uh, mm. career day, we had a career day and um, he was from Pixar and he was so cool and I think he drew like Lumiere from Beauty on the Beast on like the chalkboard and it was perfect and he said, you could do this, you know, you can make a living drawing cartoons mm. and from there I was kind of like in you know what I mean, I was like mesmerized I, I, this is all I wanted, you know <laughs> right. I, I wanted to tell stories and I wanted to make people laugh and I wanted to make them excited and make them cry and like you know, this was my in. So from then on, I was like incredibly dedicated towards like getting into animation. So I, you know, started doing a lot of life drawing in high school. And then I applied for California Institute of the Arts because that's where this guy went. And he was like, that's a great place to go if you want to get into animation. Hmm. You know, after four years there, my first job was actually at DreamWorks um, Animation Feature. And I was working on a film called Turbo, which was a, about a racing snail, right. which is funny because like we have, a, we have snails in our show too. <laughs> but like when, when we designed the snails in Amphibia, right. I really wanted to make sure they felt like, like snails from the never ending story or something like kind of like gross and gloopy and kind of like made with practical effects, like as opposed to the cartoony snails from Turbo. Cause I had a little bit of PTSD from working on Turbo. I was like, I don't need to see like those big cartoony eyes ever again, you know? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never, I definitely. That was a movie I always would see around, but it's like I never watched it because I was like, snake. Yeah, no. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> the movie, the movie is the movie, and they actually made an, a, a dope show, like a, a Tip Mouse made a, a TV show 
it was really cool. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember that was something that was really cool that came out of it. Like, I think, right. I think a lot of the folks who also worked on Motor City also worked on that Turbo cartoon, and it was, it was, it was awesome. Um, but uh, for me, I remember um, I took one of my best friends mm. to see the movie after it after we had finished it, and you know, I was sitting there with the movie, and the the end credits came on, and I was like, you know what? It wasn't that bad. And I turned to him, and he was like asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that that's definitely like very differing in terms of opinions <laughs> like polar opposites right there yeah there. but um uh i i enjoyed uh my time at dreamworks but at a certain point i got very impatient you know i was doing a lot of um i felt like i had a lot more to offer in terms of storytelling and i had heard that uh there was this guy who was starting up a tv show um named alex hirsch i I did not know him in school, but I was always like a big fan of his. His films were so funny, you know what mm. I mean, and, and smart and clever. And he was making a show uh, that I was I heard was a little bit had a little bit of X Files in it, you know what I mean? Had some right. magic and mystery, and you know I was I was very intrigued. So I went over with a bunch of other folks from DreamWorks, and he showed us the show. He pitched us some episodes, and I was in. I loved it, you know what I mean. So I applied mm. for a job at Gravity Falls, and luckily I got it. Um, after doing boards for one season, I uh, worked my way up to director on season two. And I became a director not because I was the best board artist, because I was not. I was not <laughs> the best board artist. Uh, um, I always tell, I tell, every, I tell everyone, I'm like, I'm like a B minus board artist, like at best. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, but I was a, I was a really great uh, communicator. You know what I mean? Mm. And so directing was a lot more communication. It was a, it was a people job. It was a people person job. Mm. And I really enjoyed, you know, bringing the best out of my team. It was not about what I could do. It was about what I could inspire other folks to do. And I really, I really liked that. Um, but even then, as a director on Gravity Falls, I never really wanted my own show. I never, it was not something I ever thought about. I, I only ever wanted to be like a cog at Pixar. Like I was going to be like the best cog ever. You know what I mean? Like be a great board artist or whatever. But I... I never actually was good enough to get a job at Pixar. So I just kind of stayed in, in TV animation where I fell in love with it. And right. I think at, a, at some point, I think it was Hirsch. I think Alex Hirsch, like one night was just like, you should pitch a show. And I was like, that's crazy. Nobody would want whatever I'm, I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's not going to happen for me. But I think he sort of put the bug in my head where he was like, no, it, you could pitch something. No problem. It's not, it's not such a big deal. And slowly but surely it occurred to me that like, well, if I'm, if it's not me, it's just going to be somebody else. You know what right. I mean? So I, I might as yeah. well throw my hat in the ring and give it my all and really, really try for it. And luckily, I mean, after two and a half years or something of like really, really hard development, like we got greenlit and I've been, you know, making the show ever since for four years after that. So that's sort of my journey. Like it, 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 it had a lot of kind of bobbing and weaving in it. Like honestly too, mm -hmm. at school, I wanted to be a character designer. I, I didn't want to be a board artist. So my whole career has kind of been, you know, changing my plans and kind of, you know, going with the flow and finding what worked for me. And like, it wasn't always the thing that I was expecting, but I'm, I'm so happy that I let myself be flexible and kind of fall into these things that like ended up working well for me, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I get, I get you. Like, at first you didn't have the plans to be host, be basically creating your own show, but somehow everything just managed the universe, the planets aligned, and now you're basically you're you created this amazing show that a lot of people are just very much clinging to, and basically that's just something 
you didn't even think was about to happen, but it's like, here you are now. No, it was something, you know, it was like, it was like every time a dream kind of broke, I had to make a new plan or a new dream. So after applying for Pixar, I think like four or five times and like every time, like, no, 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 no. I was like, okay, this, this, this dream's not working out. And if I keep like, you know, trying for this, I may just like emotionally not be able to take it anymore. So I'm like, okay, what, what else is there? Like, what else can I do? You know what I mean? And what, what else is exciting for me? And then that's when I started focusing my energies towards like, well, could I run my own show? Is that a possibility for me? You know what I mean? So it was like, you know, it's, it's cliche, but like one door closes, another one opens. Oh yeah. I, I think that's really how uh, it, it kind of can be sometimes. It's like, you want to come up with a plan, but sometimes that's just not how it's about to be. You're, you're, you, could, it, it could all change. It doesn't and, go. And yeah. I think that's great to be, for it to all work out as well as it did for you to be able to make something like this and be able to have such a strong journey and, meet so many great people and like you said you were you were a director and yet your biggest thing was that you just you talk you talk to people you communicated exactly yeah yeah and and you know the show too amphibia is so much about change you know what i mean that like it, it really reflects my journey too as a as a storyteller where like I've, I've had to change and grow. And even between season one, season two, season three of Amphibia, they're all like very different. You know what I mean? They have very different vibes. And I think that like, you know, that, that feels like sort of my journey too, where it's like, it, it sort of feels like every job is different and I'm learning something new at each one, you know? Right. I, th- I think that's definitely what we all get from, from the jump from uh, season one to two. It's like, yeah, they're now definitely getting more into some the grittier parts of things. And I think that's where people really started to notice the show. or they, It was really starting to feel like now people are ready to yeah. hop on board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I had to do it to him. <laughs> okay. So with this series being about frogs, what is your favorite frog? It's something I was kind of curious about because it feels like you definitely have a, ma- a clear fascination with amphibious type of creatures and such. So I was always wondering, it's like, yeah, what's, what's your favorite out of them? Yeah, yeah. So my favorite are, are the weirdest frogs. So like two of them come to mind, um, and they're sort of meme frogs where like you you see them in funny videos. Like I think so. One of them is a, a desert desert rain frog, which is like just hilarious. He's like this little kind of gray. <laughs> puff ball and I, I think there's a funny video of somebody like poking one and he just like screams um but these things they, they look they look amazing uh they look utterly bizarre i think we we snuck we snuck two of them into an episode called um uh caravan named desire the one where hop hop you know tries to be an actor there's these two yeah. goons right. these two goons uh who work for renee frogs and they're <laughs> desert rain frogs and you can tell because they have very specific eyes Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And the other, I, I like the other frog, uh, to... the other frog I like is called a, a purple rain frog. And this thing just looks straight up crazy, like an elephant or something. It doesn't look like a frog at all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Check it out. So It'll it, give you nightmares. Like it's just, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm probably look, look into what that's about. <laughs> all right. So on possible influence, my friend Ostrock Fox of the round table, Shout outs to Kev. Wanted to know if you like Sonic X and if it was possible or more or less possible influence for Amphibia. 
Um, well, uh, what a super nerd question. <laughs> I mean, so, the answer, the answer is <laughs> embarrassingly. Absolutely. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonic X, you know, I'm a huge Sonic fan. Um, and I remember the show coming out and I remember downloading the episodes, like pirating the show. Cause mm. I was, I had to watch it subbed in Japanese. You know what I mean? I right. was kind of a purist. So I was like, I got to watch it as you know, the, the vision of the director, like exactly as they intended. Right. And you know, the show is okay. The show is, the show is exactly what it is, but I will say the first episode is like amazingly directed. I don't know if you remember it super well. Yeah, I do remember. It's like when he comes to earth for the first time. Like, first he rescues Cream, and then, you know, he gets transported to Earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually very similar to True Colors in, in, a, in a few ways, where, like, in the very first episode of Sonic X, there's some crazy shit going down, Eggman's doing something, everybody's right. attacking him, and then kablamo, something happens with the Chaos Emeralds, and it flashes to white. Right. And... Sonic wakes up in a white void and he can only hear car car horns, distant car horns. And he's like, what's going on? And then these cars come rushing towards him and we truck out and we reveal that he's on earth. That's very, very, very similar to what we do at the end of true colors. And it's a hundred percent inspired by that moment. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think I, I, I actually could see some of that uh, influence going into true colors. Cause it is like, cause the first half of that uh, episode for Sonic X, it's like, it feels so different. And then you get into the real world and it's like, Oh, Sonic's now alone. And now he has to traverse this unknown world with a bunch of people he's never seen before in his life. And, and so now that's the thing with true colors. Like, okay, now we think everything's all happy. Go lucky. They just to stop the rebellion. Come to find out the king is actually an asshole and is about to destroy the world and a bunch of other worlds as well. So it's like, dang, <laughs> like now that's a whole new thing they have to ta- tackle. Yeah. Like, all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the, the Sonic X episode too, it was so good at kind of dropping Sonic alone, as you said, into this strange new environment. And he has like a crazy, I think he goes against some kind of like, you know, gang of like formula one, like racers or something in the first right. episode. It's, it's really, it's a nutty episode, but it's so good. And it's so well directed and like it definitely definitely stuck with me. So I, I do recommend checking out the original Sonic X like first episode. It's like the only episode of the show you really need to watch. You don't need to watch <laughs> anything else. Because like after that it just becomes it just becomes very typical after that. But it's yeah. it's, it's a nice piece of directing. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I had that episode like on the GBA advance, like uh like little video cartridges oh, weird i would always yeah, I, remember, I was always watching that one back that. And forth yeah. constantly but i definitely say it's like it was the episode i remember the most mainly because it's like no it was the only cartridge i had so it's of course good. i had to. but it is really good definitely. yeah but it's like it's good it's like an objectively good good piece of work you know what i mean like which yeah. just sounds funny because it's like this sonic spinoff but like there's good work everywhere you know what i mean and like that's that's a good example of like that's a good episode Oh yeah, definitely. Out of all the, out of all, it's like if you need to watch Sonic X, at least just, just mainly, just watch the first episode. That's the most you really need to be getting out of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So with Marcy being introduced, she definitely leaves a strong impression. A lot, a lot of fans absolutely love her, and I definitely found myself growing very attached to her. So I want to know what were the inspirations for Marcy? Like, was she based on anything from childhood? 
Yeah. So Marcy, you know, I had a friend group and I was the Marcy. Like, that's just, that's the way it was. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. I relate deeply to her. Uh, I, I know you all relate deeply to her because she's us. You know what I mean? She's, she's a super nerd. She, she loves, like, she goes all into her interests, like head first down the rabbit hole of the things she loves. And I think that the world of amphibia to her, you know, it's this beautiful wish fulfillment. And like, obviously in true colors, we learn that has a little bit of a price, a little bit of a dark side. But I think what is so lovable about Marcy is that she, she really is just like living her best life in this place and just loving it. You know what I mean? She, she, we joked about this internally a lot, but Marcy sort of feels like she should have been the main character. You know what I mean? At times where you're like, Oh, but this is, you know, she loves it here. (laughs) And like, you know what I mean? Like I, I remember even in development, they had asked me like, well, couldn't Anne like just instantly love it here? And, and couldn't this be a dream come true for Anne? And I was like, ah, no, but that's not going to work for this particular show and the architecture we've set up. You know right. what I mean? Like, but Marcy comes onto the scene, like explodes yeah. onto the yeah. scene and is basically everything that you, you normally is, expect from an isekai protagonist. You know what I mean? She's, she loves herself. Mm-hmm. She loves this world. Right. She loves her friends. And she's just ready for this great adventure. And I think that's so infectious. Right. And like you said, you said uh, Marcy was supposed to, or they people were pitching the idea of Marcy just being the one to uh, be, or be the main protagonist. But I do think with her being the, if she was the main protagonist, I feel like that would have been a matter of, it's too much, you know? Like, it's like, yeah. You kind of oh, need I that definitely gra- agree. I definitely right. agree. Like you need that grounded character who's like, I'm in this world filled with frogs. What the hell? What is happening? Like you need something just to kind of ground all all the crazy stuff happening. And I think Anne and see you holding that. You're down. right. <laughs> you're <laughs> right. Your instincts are correct. And I think you're you're coming at it like a writer, though. You know what I mean? Like, but the execs are always coming at it like 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 businessmen. You know what I mean? Like they're like, well, if it's Marcy and and it's it's this character who loves where she is, kids are just gonna have a good time. It's like, are they though? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, not in the long run, like, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll have fun for a bit, but then eventually it's like, oh my god, I'm kind of tired of being so happy now okay we gotta chill a bit so i think i think that's the big thing i think marcy works really well with how much we were given without being overwhelming i think it's like she does work as a really great just very energetic and eccentric side character and that's what give and that's what basically allows us to attach to her a lot better it's because it's like we get like the nice dosage a nice dosage and i think that's just how it should be how she should be tackled it's, and how she has been tackled and i think that's awesome honestly yeah exactly and you know ultimately this is Anne's story you know what i mean like this this really is her right. journey and you know the the three girls they make up like a nice kind of you know triangle a nice little triforce of mm-hmm. of these qualities but like Anne really is your center right. exactly i think I think that's ex- exactly right. It's like she she basically is that glue between these two extremes, basically. And I think that's what really draws exactly. you to your attention to the dynamics between all three. It's like, is, you know, you have one who's really happy on the positive side, but you also have someone who's really negative on the negative side. And that being, you know, Sasha. But you need someone to just act as the nice conduit to kind of keep 
to keep the positive energy and negative energy from overtaking one another. You know? Right. And like you said, Anne is Anne is you, the viewer, being dropped yeah. into this world. Exactly. Like she's that she is exactly she's basically the straight man of the of the bunch, basically. Cause she's tackling from a I'm trying yeah. I just want to go home. I got family. I just like, yeah, <laughs> that's how a lot of people probably yeah. would feel. And I think that's, I think, I think that's. Yeah. Whatever. And also mechanically. Yeah. Um, mechanically from a story pointing storytelling point of view, Anne needs to get to amphibia, not like it. And then over time, learn to like it. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Right. I think that's exactly. It's almost it math. You know? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately, I think that all turned out really well, honestly, between them. Um, and so we definitely got to see these temples that basically explored more about what's going on with the music box, with these supernatural like gem elements and being seeing them connect to Sasha, Anne and Marcy. And I definitely wanted to know what was the inspirations for the temples, more or less. So, you know. Legend of Zelda, obviously, strong Legend of Zelda vibes from from those kind of temples and the way they were they right. had kind of elemental <laughs> qualities. Like you've got your 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 mind temple, your strength temple, your heart temple. But you know what worked so well about that for us is right. that in this world of wish fulfillment and role play for Marcy, of course there would be these temples and this quest and these gems and this magic and oh what fun we're having. You know what I mean? Like. There was this feeling that it all led into Marcy's right. role play, which is like, you know, she was somewhat deluding herself on this journey. Um, so it, it ended up being this really nice, we could pay, you know, we could pay homage to Zelda or any number of games that did this as well. But it made sense for the story and it made sense for Marcy and her kind of character story, her, her, her journey, you know what I mean? Where let's play a little bit. The temples were a little bit of like, Let's have that adventure that we were promised, you know what I mean, with this premise. Um, but I, I will say right. that, like, specifically the temples, like, the first temple is very typical in Legend of Zelda. The second temple is a little bit of a twist because, right. you know, it was not a temple at all. It was Valeriana, you know, walking through and giving them these tests. So that, right. that one was a subversion. And then the third temple, yeah, the third temple, we just wanted to feel like, you know, uh, the final level of a Sonic game or something. Lots of lava and spikes and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I definitely could get, definitely got those vibes because it's like, okay, you got to fight this giant, like, monster thing. And it's all about just can you beat this thing? Like, this is all on you and your strength. And I, I, think, I think that's interesting with all three, like, with all three different philosophies of how you tackled all three different uh, temples. And I think that's... Something that really helps br bridge a nice connection among bo both the world of Amphibia and the characters of Sasha and Marcy. Yeah, and, and the, the lesson of the temple, it varies in terms of importance. So the first two temples, you really feel these strong lessons are being taught through these trials. But the third temple, it was yeah. the focus was more on the character relationship between Anne and Sasha over the lesson. The lesson was a little bit more surface level, you know, it was all about persistence, which is a quality that Sasha actually had, but Anne had to remind her of. So it really was different from the other mm. temples because 
the third temple was more of a canvas for Anne and Sasha's relationship than 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 a lesson on its own, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. I definitely got that feeling for Sasha with her temple. Absolutely. So, I know <laughs> the Sprig and Ivy or Spivey fans will get on me if I don't ask, but what was the inspiration for Sprig and Ivy's relationship? So, uh, the relationship was kind of crafted by one of our, our writers, Adam Kolos, and he really wanted it to feel, especially in that first episode, dating season, like that super awkward first relationship. You know what I mean? This weird, this weird thing where you're <laughs> like, yeah, where you were like, are we dating? We're dating, right? So what does that mean? Do we hold hands or how much time do we spend with one another? And I think after that, though, we really didn't want too much will they, won't they? What we liked about Sprivey or Sprig and Ivy was that they no, they were dating. They were legitimately going steady. And what would that look like? You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. didn't, we didn't really want to show where we were teasing the audience with, oh, are they going to get together? Are they going to break up? Like, although we talked about it, it's like, do you want to have like a Sprig and Ivy breakup episode? And we were like, no, that's weird for them. Like they're sweet kids. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like these two, they're just adorable together. You don't need heavy drama between them. It's like they could just be together like that. And yeah, I think that's something like, that look like? I can appreciate. <laughs> right. I think that's something I appreciate the most with them is that it's like it's just a simple and very pleasant nice relationship there doesn't need to be anything heavy to happen i mean other than you know they're split up at this point right now Te well, split up technically <laughs> but it that it's not a matter of like oh there's heavy drama someone's clearly wrong or in the wrong about what they did it's like they're just a very cute couple like let's just have a cute couple why not have that and i kind of like yeah. how you went about it with season one with how they got together like just ignore yeah, the bullshit yeah. let's just get to it <laughs> yeah they're they're not split up but they're definitely long distance right now yeah exactly <laughs> exactly like it's like they can't see each other but they're still together yeah. in not in um, a metaphysical not in a physical way but you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah. i think that I think that we we liked the idea, like what you were saying, that this was a relationship that wasn't just dragged down with conflict. You know what I mean? Like they weren't at each other's throats. And that's a lot of relationships on mm -hmm. in TV shows, too, where it's just like, what is it today? You know what I mean? But with these two, like you said, that seeing them together is almost like just kind of a relief. It's kind of a nice thing. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's what so many people really enjoy is just. It keeps it's just a simplified and just very pleasant and enjoyable relationship. And I think that's something that I kind of miss seeing a lot of the time. It's like, don't get don't just 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 have the relationship. Just have fun. Have a pleasant, nice yeah. relationship. That's all you need. You ain't need no, no, yeah, nothing. You more. know, I mean, we, we consider we considered love triangles. We considered everything, man. You know what I mean? Like when we were, when you're in there and you're writing these characters, you just, you, you get it all down on the list and you, and you say like, do you want to do this? Like, do you want to do that? Do you want to have a love triangle with like another character? Do you want to perhaps try like all these different plot, plot threads? And ultimately, like I, I left it to the writers to decide as a group, like what they thought was the most compelling. And right. none of them really drifted in that direction. And so like, it wasn't something that I was really fighting for. So I was happy to let them kind of take these two on a sweet, steady journey, as opposed to right. something like, I don't know, like 
Maddie coming in or another character coming in or someone coming in, you know what I mean? For who right. likes Ivy as well. Like we could have done it, you know? No. Oh, yeah. But I think with what was, what we ended up getting, it's like, it was really just pleasant and nice. And I think that the writers did a really excellent job and giving us just a nice, simple relationship to really latch onto and just have fun with. I think that's just all ultimately really pleasant. And I think we could see, tend to see more we should see more of that honestly yeah it's nice maybe maybe it's telling kids like hey it doesn't have to be sticky always you know what i mean like you can have a healthy supportive right. relationship you know and and that's fine too exactly i think that's i think that's always a good message to send and and you guys did it excellently so uh my friend d'angelo of hats off media wanted to know do amphibious residents have a different lifespan compared to humans so basically it's like is it the same is there a frog ears type thing you know like with dog ears or is it like they just can live longer because i did realize because there was that interesting thing mentioned about king andreas in true colors when he said he's like thousands of years ago and yet he yet he's here now and he doesn't look thousands of years old so i think that's kind of something i want to know to eat yeah and when he was introduced he was introduced as the peacekeeper of a thousand years which implies that like yeah he's been doing this for a long time um you know uh i don't want to get into it too much because it could be spoiler territory but i will say that generally generally (laughs) yeah generally the the life uh spans are are comparable to human life lifespans like and that was like you know something we joked about internally too which is like hop up like well, maybe Anne's like well how old are you hop up he's like i'm 12 you know what i mean because like <laughs> you know, life cycles might be so different <laughs> but i think ultimately it was important for you just to think of them as humans so their life cycles are pretty much the same you know save for some exceptions right as we recently found and we're probably likely to see more of come next season which definitely leaves me hyped up to see. right so okay I like I like that. It's interesting. Definitely want to look out for that come the next season. Um, we didn't really get to see a lot of like a Marcy and Sasha dynamic, like just the two of them. So, what would you describe Sasha and Marcy's dynamic? Is is like considering we didn't get to see too much of them together, just the two of them. Yeah. So this is a great question. Really interesting one too. And yeah, it's not something we've seen on screen a whole lot, but. My description of the relationship is a little bit like this. Sasha and Marcy don't fuck around mm. with each other. They're, they're very straight with one another. They're a little bit more professional. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a weird thing to say about friends, but it, it mirrors sort of right. the, the three-way friendship I had when I was a kid where they treated, you know, me and this other friend treated our middle friend a little bit differently, but we were very, we were very direct and frank with one another, but we were a little bit uh, squiffy with the third one of us. And, I think what's really interesting about that is mm. I feel like Sasha and Marcy almost use and communicate with one another sometimes. You know, you know what I mean? Where it's sort of like mm. Anne can be this messenger between the two of them. And they're a little bit more like they, they, right. they know each other and they have each other figured out. They know what their strengths are and their weaknesses are. And I think they're a little bit more businesslike. Like in the third temple, when Marcy runs up to Sasha and they're immediately just like, Oh my God, it's so great to see right. you. And she's like, yeah, you too. Look at your armor. Wow. They're on the level. They're on the same level. And I think to them, right. and this is super, right. this is super sad and a little bit dark, but I think to them, like Anne is like a little bit lower. <laughs> and I think, but they're, they're both sort of up here 
and they're 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 very aware you know what i mean of that kind of relationship because marcy's got the grades right she's got the smarts she's got the you know what i mean the ingenuity sasha has the the will the strength right. you know the ambition and i think Anne. they don't know it because they you know they're young but Anne has something just as important or more which is that heart that glue that connectivity and they absolutely must use her in order to kind of connect with one another but it is a really interesting thing that is nuanced which is i mm. think back home you know, that was their relationship a little bit, which is that Sasha and Marcy were sort of the ones who were speaking at the same level. And Anne was sort of in between mm-hmm. a little bit. Right. OK. OK, that that is definitely different. I, I didn't expect that. So basically, Mar- Marcy and Sasha is like they is like, yeah, we're on the level like because, yeah, like you said, when they met up by the third temple they just were casually like oh cool it's nice to see you yeah they made like a b they made like a beeline for each other do you know what i mean (laughs) but and but when you get to but when you think back to like Anne meeting up with sasha or Anne meeting up with marcy it's more like oh my god oh my god girlfriend i see you oh my god it's it's been so long what's happening so it's so it that is that is wow that's very different. I wasn't expecting Yeah, like that. they sort of got those kid gloves on for Anne. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're sort of both I mean, and they're they're both sort of playing. Like the the idea too that like I just feel like Sasha wouldn't need to manipulate Marcy so much. She would just mm-hmm. directly say or ask. You know what I mean? Like, hey Marcy, right. I need this from you. And Marcy would be like, You got it. You know what I mean? Let's do it. But I think with Anne, they have to take a very different path, like both of them. So it is it is a very specific thing that like, I feel like was, was very much part of my friend group. You know what I mean? Like you treat mm-hmm. each other just a little bit differently based on like, you know, what your perception is. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's inter because that's very interesting considering how we saw the di- dynamics play out throughout the whole season, especially when it comes to how Marcy ended up like, she was like really, she got so emotional by the end towards uh, Anne like she did she didn't look as heartbroken and i feel like that's the thing i feel like Anne brings out the emotionality from the characters because like with marcy by the end she's panicking she's she's crying she's breaking down and i feel like it's because she's like wait no i i it's one thing with sasha to be upset with me but you and like you're like you're the emotional weight for us like you gotta hold us down that's this that's that's a great that's a great point because when when the chips were down, it was Anne who Marcy turned to to be absolved, right? She right. was pleading with Anne more than Marcy. And I think that that reflects something of Anne being the moral compass of the group. I think either of them would turn to Anne, you know, to, to understand like, but I did the right thing, didn't I? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. right. And I think, oh, and I think, man. I think too that, that like I in my head, I don't think Sasha needed to use her kind of like end of discussion thing like nearly as much mm-hmm. with Marcy. I think with Marcy, she was a little bit more direct, and it was you know they were they understood each other. Right. It's like a yeah, this is what I'm doing, and this is how it is. We <laughs> like you're and Marcy's like I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay, that spooky man, stuff, that, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty heavy. It's like wow, like that really, <laughs> like that really puts that uh f- finale scene way more into perspective. 
Like, mm, that definitely, mm. I'm going to be thinking about that a little bit more now. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> that, mm, that's, that hit me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, three, three way, three way friendships are, they're weird, man. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're very <laughs> political. It's like, it's like three nations. You know what I mean? It's, that's why, that's why with this whole show, we've really leaned into this kind of like elves, dwarves, humans thing for the, the frogs, mm-hmm. toads and newts. Cause it's like, that's sort of what's happening. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Definitely. <laughs> Man. All right. So, uh, speaking of that finale, kind of going to get into something heavy. You guys were able to kill a child. <laughs> <She's not dead. laughs> I mean, yeah. But, I mean, if you did stick around, it's like in your mind, it's like, <laughs> but to continue, it's like with the delay that ended up happening for the finale, was there any like massive pushback you were getting or any of the specifics if you can get into that? Like, was there ever any major pushback you got for the show for that? Yeah, so uh this is sort of the question I know a lot of folks have been waiting for, and, and this is the first time I'm sort of speaking about it, you know, publicly or speaking about it with with someone and, and I will do my best to to do justice to kind of uh all sides of this discussion and and keep it brief when I say that the the ultimate concern was our younger viewers yeah. and you know leadership uh, you know really felt that the scene might be too intense for specifically five year olds six year olds and you know for context it's important it's important to know that Disney Channel as an entity has been trending quite young so by that I mean the demo. Uh, the demographic mm. of, of those watching the channel, it's been getting younger and younger over the years. And I think that is leading to an increased sensitivity mm. around certain ages and certain, you know, in what certain scenes, what that will do to them. So, you know, that, that was the discussion. And the, uh, obviously the awkward thing about it and sort of like where it all kind of blew up was that um, this note came two days before air. And, you know, this is an episode that had been approved, mm-hmm. completely approved by all parties. S&P, I worked very closely with S&P. Right. The, the episode had been approved seven months prior. So it was kind of a scramble and it was a lot of work and there was compromise. The compromise being A, disclaimer, and then B, you know, we were going to show the season three main titles a little bit earlier. Um, and, you know, oh. I'm, I'm happy with how things turned out. Yeah. I'm happy with how things turned out and, you know, I'm so glad that the episode was able to be released in its, in its true form, uh, unedited. Um, the only, the only casualty really is, is something called dramatic tension, which is that classic kind of cliffhanger, you know, um, mm-hmm. character is in a mine cart going off a cliff. Well, they survive. Right. Tune in next time. It's just cla- classic right. TV storytelling. Um, and I will say that's the one thing that I feel like, Y- y'all were were robbed a little bit of that dramatic tension you know that kind of mm-hmm. is she okay mm-hmm. feeling was it just would have been legendary to have everybody on the on the edge of their seat for you know a few months as they as they waited to to see more of season three but i think that right. in, in the absence of dramatic tension you guys can at least have hype right exactly that definitely answered a thing because I've, I've mentioned this in my uh, recent second thoughts video, 
second thoughts video i was wondering it's like i I feel i was like i know they had to show this like opener just to compromise for the fact that it's like you basically showed a dead child (laughs) and it's like okay no no she's okay before before you get any ideas she's alive it's just (laughs) but yeah that 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 is interesting that 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 was compromised yeah and the concerns are valid you know what i mean like it's the kind of thing where taking a step back I think something about the episode about True Colors is that it's, it's so real. Uh, the music cuts out, the look on her face, the, the amount that it is held, you know what I mean, that picture is held. I, I think it was a little bit too much for, for them, for leadership, in the sense that, like, you know, uh, Five is quite young. Mm. I, th- I think that's, so, I mean, yeah, I think that's sort of the thing to be... <sighs> I mean, I don't want the mouse house to like jump on me, but to me, I do feel it's one of those things. It's like them kids can accept. Like growing up, we've seen sort of harsher things from Disney. You yeah. know, we've seen Tarzan, where yeah. they literally killed a baby. Like that. Like there's no yeah. exaggerations. Like that baby's dead. Like that cheetah tore yeah. to shreds. We saw that, and yeah. So it is kind of yeah. weird that. But I mean, but you kind of can understand. It's like demographics change. We don't know where people would stand yeah. on some things. So yeah, and it's and it's it's trending young too. So there's a chance it could get even younger. You know what I mean? Like so, I, I think that you know, I agree. You know what I mean? And and that's that's sort of the creative is is kind of a non-starter because like you know I I argued you know. <laughs> That every child in America saw Peter Parker turn crumble to dust in in Tony Stark's arms in um, right Infinity War. Like every every kid saw that and they loved it. You know what I mean? They just that's the best exactly. when you're you have such an investment. You you care about these characters so much that you just you're you're terrified for them and, and you hope they're okay. Like that's magic. That's a magical thing. But you know, oh yeah, I I don't want to dwell on it too much because. The issue's been resolved, and I'm happy with how it turned out. But it, it's tricky, yeah. you know. And this is one of those things that there's there's politics here, and it, it's 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 hard to be told. You know what I mean? We have legitimate concerns, and you can either argue or you can kind of try to find a path forward. You know what I mean? But I will say that like yeah. I'm happy that the episode came out and that it's it's un unaltered. I think that's a big win. Right, and ultimately, I think you guys. If anything, you probably blaze the trail to get people to get it to be seen. It's like, okay, apparently people can, kids can handle, you know, seeing someone be horribly impaled. (laughs) But, uh, but I think for the most part, exactly. Like, yeah. Like you guys definitely were able to, like, I think it, if, if anything, it demonstrates what you were saying, which is that. Kids are fine. Like they're mature and they're smart and they can they can handle this sort of thing. They know they know that it's it's in service of a story. Yes. I think yeah, but a lot of us like growing up, like we know it's like it's a story. Like we know there's no chance of yeah. a giant newt king coming down with some freaking laser sword yeah. and impaling us with it. Like we know that's not about to happen. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Twenty twenty was pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anything's possible after getting through twenty twenty at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But I will say that you know, and you guys know this. Like, and that's the thing too is that you know, uh, content creators, man, you guys are like 
you're 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 you know you know what i mean like you watch this stuff you have enough experience to, to to kind of sniff out what's happening behind the scenes so like mad props to everybody who sort of like pieced together the story without me having to say anything right but i really was just after this grand you know harry potter star wars lord of the rings moment boromir dumbledore you know what i yes. mean like these tragic things happen and they're they're part of the story and, and people will never forget. Them. Oh, yes. I think this is one of those cases where you did very much have your I am your father sequence or your Boromir sequence. You had that and it feels like that. And I think you definitely it's going to be talked about. I think this is something we could say maybe 10 years from now. People are going to be like, oh, yeah, Disney did something like this. This is what they did. Like they showed this. They got hardcore for it. And I think that's just the amazing thing of it. To be able to like be able to tackle something so heavy and it be hit it hit that many people that hard to be able to get it trending for for so long and even. Like I think that's just amazing. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's it's really only because people care about this character. You know what I mean? Like, and and I think that that's 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 where storytelling is at its best. Like, we're not just trying to to shock you. Mm -hmm. it, I think it's it really is. You see, and you know, we'll talk about this a little bit, but like, True Colors really is Marcy's dive. Like, where you learn so much about her, right? And you really, in that moment, you know, she understands. Oh, this is not a game. This whole time, I thought I was you know, in this fantasy and in part of this adventure. And it wasn't that at all. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's why it's so important. Right. I think that's, it, it, that's the interesting thing. It's like for Marcy, it's like, she's all happy go lucky. She's like, she's happy. It's like, I'm in my, I am in my element. I'm having fun. But then it's like, here's reality to kind of tell you. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's about to get real. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think yeah. that's just really. I think that's really good, honestly. So yeah, it's and, like you you didn't know what you were gambling until you lost it. You know exactly. It's exactly that, honestly. So, I have to get into something. You know that I think a lot of people, def me included, were definitely wondering, and it's about Marcy. You know, being when finding out about the music box. Like we saw Marcy found out about the music box from a book by the author, Dr. P. We also saw it had Bill Cipher from Gravity Falls in it. So was that just like a nifty little cameo thing or was that sort of you trying to indicate, yeah, this takes place in the same universe as Gravity Falls? So I, I don't want to say too much because I, I love I love the theories and I love the mystery. What, what I will say is that it, I hope that in seeing Bill Cipher, on the same page as Goliath from Gargoyles, you would sort of think that if you turn to the next page, you might see like, you know, Jake Long or Bonkers the Bobcat, that this book was sort of like, had all the TVA properties in it. It was some kind of connective tissue between, mm. between our multiverse. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I was hoping one would think when they saw that. It wasn't, it wasn't just mm. because I liked Gargoyles and I liked Gravity Falls. It was sort of like, I want to see more of this book, man. I, I know I definitely do. <laughs> that dang. That, so basically, you were trying to be like, hey, if uh, y'all want to make 
I don't know if you play Kingdom Hearts, but it's like if you do, it's like it's like, hey, if y'all want to make a Kingdom Hearts series, I kind of laid some groundwork for you over here. If you want to just follow that model real quick. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like. Like like how um, DuckTales 2017, they really tried to make a Disney after, afternoon multiverse. I wanted to lightly imply that perhaps it was a bigger multiverse than just the Disney afternoon, you know? Oh, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people were really expecting, especially like come season three of uh, 2017 DuckTales. Like, I think they really wanted it to be like, here's this big universe. And we got a little bit of it. But, you know, as we saw, DuckTales is over. But I think that's that that's actually a nice touch. Like if they if if someone were to come by and try to, I don't know, pitch a some type of multiverse series like i think like that's the great jumping off point it's like there's there's your foundation just try to build from there (laughs) it's like you got it now like yeah i mean i love i i love what uh what ian did on okko i love it oh my god you know the the reverence that he he connected the the cartoon network universe in such a fun way like i just think that stuff's always fun Oh yeah, if, if we can get something like that, but like a bigger scale to happen with Disney properties, like <laughs> I, th- I think Disney about to be like be pretty cool. richer than they already are at that point. <laughs> like, like that, it would just write, it just basically would write itself at that point. Okay, so with season two, it manages to have many episodes with some nice development for the characters, most of which came back into play in the finale, like Hop Hop a- acting, and it was. Was it difficult, like, keeping track of everything and bringing it into play later on? So, you know, because the show is iterative, like, it it allows us to kind of, as we were writing True Colors, to look back on the season we had written and kind of pull. Um, So it's not, it was not difficult. It was Mm -hmm. was fun. You know what I mean? It was fun to kind of think, well, what should Hop Hop bring to this Mm A-team? What should Polly bring to this A-team? What are the things in this finale that, you just you're dying to see what payoffs can can be the most satisfying here you know what i mean like i will say the biggest the thing i am the thing i am the most proud of is just the robot factories the second the second you see them turn on in true (laughs) colors you're like oh my god those things are all over the place oh no you know what i mean right right (laughs) yeah that's exactly it like the second they turned on it's like oh oh crap that went against what I thought. I thought those were supposed to be like the frogs versus. I didn't know those were Andreas. Are you serious? And they're evil. Are you, oh my god! Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> like we're in it trouble definitely now. was a curveball and a half. Yeah, is and you and you see and it's that one image we got where you just see them rising from all over Amphibia. It wasn't just the one area where Frobo came from. It's like all over. It's like, yeah. What are they? How? How are they about to face that? Yeah, it's there's this <laughs> that point. There's this amazing shot that um uh director Joe Joe Johnson he he put in the episode of it's when all the Warwoodians are looking up at the sun and you see all the little dots, the the contrails like flying towards the castle. It's one of my favorite yes, it's exactly one of my favorite shots because you're just like, Oh, they're so boned, <laughs> you know? Like exactly. it's like it's like, yeah, it's like, well, like you could basically dukes a hazard that shot and just be like, well, it seems like they've stepped into a real swamp. Right yeah, here. How are these frog how boys gonna get out of this? They're about to get out of this. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh man, that's a, uh, that's inter- that's funny. That is funny because like, like I I remember that part so well, and it's like, 
Jesus, that they they can't get out of yeah. jail without something going wrong. Yeah. Like everything has to go wrong now. Yeah, it's that Jaws moment. Oh, it's man. like, oh, we're gonna need a bigger boat, you know? Like, <laughs> Ex- <laughs> it's like you're gonna need a bigger boat. You're gonna need some Saiyans on your side. Mm. Probably call up Superman, get him into his prime form. So it's about to get real. <laughs> oh man, there's there's this very particular episode that really interested me back in like. October that you guys aired and it's the shut in that was a pretty interesting episode with sort of are you afraid of the dark vibe and even having some disturbing imagery that was surprising for even Disney Day or especially with the story about the frog who wears the frog other frog skins like what inspired the stories and monsters we saw were there any heavy ideas that end up having to get cut out from that episode or even the season in general so um I love that episode and actually as you know me and my my uh, and the studio were discussing True Colors. I was sort of like Halloween, like the shut-in is way worse than anything in True Colors, man. You know what I mean? I was like, there's some stuff in in the shut-in that like scares me, and like you you guys, we're fine with that. You know what I mean? Like right. so, there there is um okay. So the shut-in, uh, here are the inspirations. Um, uh, the first story is a hundred percent like like the ring, mm-hmm. the, the one with the phone. FOMO, FOMO, right. uh, with the, 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 the idea like seven days and like, and the thing coming out of the screen and, right. and you know what I mean? Like, so that's a hundred percent ring inspired. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The monster itself, a little bit more from eighties movies, like, um, what are they called critters or, or even gremlins where uh, you have this cute thing that turns deep. just awful. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it was a combination of, of those two kind of genres, the kind of Japanese like ring, ring esque stuff. And, and also, um, 80s kind of furry monster horror movies but also i'm just like i'm a huge horror fan i love horror like it's just it's one of my favorite genres i will just stay up on netflix watching the worst like the horror the most horrible things i can find you know what i mean like and and the thing the thing about horror horror movies too is like the more you watch the harder it is to scare you Mm. um yeah that makes sense at that point you're just like you know, to get that, to get that hit. Yeah, 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 exactly. So anyway, um, the, the second story, um, the, the devil one, um, uh, dead end was inspired by, you know, there's this great segment in Buster Scruggs Mm -hmm. that, uh, Coen brothers, um, uh, uh, Netflix movie that came out that had, it was these characters riding in a carriage and, you know, death was among them. Right. And, you know, it was that great story that, that, that feeling we wanted to bottle up and, and, and put into that story. But we, we thought like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be so funny if the thing, if death was there for Hop Hop's hair, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's the whole, that's the whole story right there. Right. And it's to, to this day, uh, Bill Farmer's like screams of anguish when he's like, my hair, it's like my favorite thing. Right. <laughs> that was pretty, that was pretty hilarious. Like you. And um, the, the last story, uh, the, the, the skin deep, um, is the most horrifying. And it's absolutely oh, yeah. inspired by, you know, movies like Jeepers Creepers, uh, where, you know, you find you find this murder shack and it's just full of skins or it's full of things on hooks and you're just like, oh, we're in it now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, but the, the reveal of the seamstress, which was beautiful, mm-hmm. it was boarded by uh, Imbal, uh, Brita, and, you know, the character design was by Joe mm-hmm. Sparrow. That was really inspired by, you know, one of our crew members, his name is Steve Wolfhard, and he's a comic book artist. He's our remix mm. director. Um, 
he has this amazing, amazing comic called Cat Rackham, which I, I, I encourage anyone to go out and, and read. It's cat so great. There's a story about a crazy cat lady. Yeah, 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 Cat Rackham. It's, it's phenomenal. There's a story about a crazy cat lady who she's been kidnapping cats and sewing them on her body. And it's just disgusting. It's just horrible. And they're still alive. These poor cats are like all over her. And there's this incredible shot where she like takes the bathrobe off and you just see it's just, it's a horror show. You know what I mean? And like, so that was sort of like, I was deeply inspired by that moment. And so when you finally see the seamstress in the light and you see it's got these bodies all stitched together. We really wanted you to feel that same sense of just like, oh my God. Jesus, I'm going to definitely have to check that out. Oh my God. Mm. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) It's good stuff, man. That's a definite turn. I was not expecting that. Like a cat lady, like that (laughs) dimension to take it to that level. Like, mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, chef's I'm gonna definitely, keep, so I'm gonna definitely look that into, into that one. I'm a cat rack them. Look into that. Like, man, Steve Wolf. by Steve Wolfhard. Okay. It's really incredible. That's interesting. With all those different inspirations, like, because it, it, the shutting definitely wears all those inspirations on its sleeves, but it manages to like still be its own thing. It's like this could, like, it definitely works. It's like if you haven't engaged with any of that stuff. You definitely can easily. It's still very probably mess with some kid's head somewhere. I, I know the whole skin, the whole pile of dead frog skins on the floor is bound to put some kid, kid in like <laughs> the mental war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know the 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 writers um, they wrote this great wraparound story, you know, with the blue moon and and the curse of like the were frog or whatever. Right. Like uh, Todd McClintock and Michelle Cam, they just. They really nailed it. But that, I'm so proud of that episode. Like, I think it it's a really fun Halloween special. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think that's definitely one of the... I, I could see that definitely popping up in a lot of people's, like, top lists. Because it's, like, it's so disturb. It can be very disturbing and unsettling. And I I, I really like that. I really like that because we kind of... A lot of Halloween specials, like, they... Tr- or at least modern, they haven't been as heavy. But for you guys, you guys, like, were, like... We want you to, you know, be afraid to turn off your lights. Yeah, we really wanted to. <laughs> like, we want yeah. you to constantly be looking over your shoulders, wondering, is someone there? Is someone there? Is someone there? Like, I like that. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Like, make them afraid of 2D cartoons again, you know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> right, exactly. Really like that. So, Anne and Marcy are set up to clearly have known each other the longest. So... Would it be safe to assume that Marcy's betrayal hurt Anne possibly more than Sasha? Like, would it be safe to assume that seeing so much of Marcy throughout the season was to add impact for the audience when true, wherein her true intentions were revealed? Granted, we kind of got into that a little bit, but I think we can get it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think what was you know yeah Anne was blindsided, completely blindsided by this. Right. I think, yeah, I think we saw, like, she definitely looked like, it's like, wow, you seem like the one friend I could rely on. And I find out, wow, you're kind of possibly worse, like, because you put us in this situation now. Yeah, it's arguable. Like, it's like. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, yeah. And, and the voice actors are so incredible in that scene. Like, 
I, re- I, I have like Brenda's songs kind of like Marcy, Marcy, like, you know what I mean? Playing in my head when she's kind of like when Marcy's pleading and right. pleading and Anne's a little bit like, whoa, man, whoa. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this is, you've gone really far with exactly. this. I think that I think that's definitely it. And I think Brenda like definitely was pulling off that vibe perfectly. Like you definitely get to get the feeling of this is a friend who literally is like trying to panic and think that their words can save them. But it's like, no, you screwed up. You definitely screwed up. This is not you can't talk your way out of this. Like and I think that's something yeah. that hit really heavy because yeah. especially for the audience, because it's like, hmm, we we liked you. We really did. And then you did this. Yeah. Like, mm. Yeah. I mean, I I almost like, you know, every, every great story has some tragedy in it. And I, I think that we really, you know, we wanted to do it lovingly. You know what I mean? These three girls, like, we love each of them individually. And, you know, I, I'm not like pointing fingers at, at any of them. I, I would love, I would love for viewers to kind of see it from, from all sides if they can. Right. But like, yeah, it's sad. It's really like, and the performances are great. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a really, it was sort of a hard moment to, to see, mm-hmm. like to kind of like every time I saw it and throughout the process, I was just like, oh my God, geez, like, <laughs> ah, I'm so sorry, Marcy. <laughs> right. Like you do feel the uneasiness because it's like, you were so nice, but at the same time, it's like, you screwed up. Yeah. Like, you got, you got to live with that one. That That's yeah. on you. If. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah. do. I, but maybe she can make up for it. Possibly, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, because it's a go, <laughs> it's gonna be a long road. But it's like you got to be willing yeah. to trek. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, and arguably, like her actions immediately at, afterwards at the end of True Colors are very noble. You know what I mean? She really, she really scrambles. I think to make things right, which which is a great kind of demonstration of inside. She is this, you know, this good person. Right. I think, yeah, I think that's something we got when it's like she does basically help Anne and the planters get away. It's like she basically is trying to be like, okay, I know I fucked up. I, I'm, I'm going to do something. I got to Like, Anne clearly wants to get out of here. I got to get her out of here, yeah. especially since King Andreas is yeah. also batshit. Let me, like, let me fix this somehow. Like, so... Yeah, I, I let me I fix like, it. I'm not going to go down as the bad guy, you know? Like, I'm not going down like this. This is not how I'm going to be remembered. Right. It's def- that's definitely something I feel was just that little bit of noble, that noble spirit inside of her that definitely came, that shined through by the end. Exactly. So there's sort of this thing we see in kids media that there tends to be a bit of a softness, particularly in what can be shown to them in shows be it violence or dark or heavy subject matter. But what we saw from True Colors, what is your philosophy when it comes to creating this type of media? Yeah, I mean, simply it has to be in service of the story. Everything we do is for the best story possible. If it gets dark and if it gets raw, it's because we're, we're trying to bring out the best of these characters. I would never do anything to be gratuitous. That's, that's not me. That's not my team. Like we would never, we would never do something just to shock and appall you. Mm, We want to, you know, the word appeal, um, it kind of, it it applies to all, all fronts. And I think that when it comes to violence and it comes to darkness, like it should all be appealing, even though it's dark and it's violence, it should all be in service of something, you know, more the story, the characters, it shouldn't just be Holy crap! Right, right. That's that's something I think really can be 
maybe lost on something on some like uh products particularly shows or movies where it's like you're clearly doing it and it doesn't feel like it's motivated it feels like you're just doing you're running you're just going through the motions for it and i think with amphibia we definitely get a feeling of this was planned and this was always the plan and I think it's far, it's way more yeah. effective, definitely. Like we definitely, because it it connects both on a logical standpoint, but also on the emotional. Now, the emotional standpoint to me is probably the more important because it's like that's what really gets us hooked in. That's what makes us want to even come back. And I think Amphibia definitely manages to connect perfectly on that front. But it does it on both sides, be it logical and emotional. I think that's something I really, really can appreciate that you guys were able to pull off with this. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like I've kind of left you a little like, dang, what do I say to that? <laughs> no, it's perfect. <laughs> All right. You got it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Um, with True Colors opening on Marcy's home life and a bit of what motivated her to want to escape to Amphibia, I kind of was wondering, it's like, what was the inspiration for an opening with the flashback? Because I was always, I, it was kind of a thing I was thinking would would it be different if it was that the flashback happened when Marcy was outed or anything like that? So I was wondering what was the inspiration for that? Yeah, you know, um, it's sort of a flavor thing where mm. I like I like it when at the beginning of a story, you sort of know whose story it is immediately. And you know, right. sort of like, you know, whose journey is this? In, you know, in, in First Temple, at the very beginning of the episode, you see almost immediately it's awkward between Hop-Hop and Anne. And so your, your lizard mm-hmm. brain immediately is like, this is an Anne and Hop-Hop episode. You know what I mean? Right. So with True Colors, opening with Marcy and her flashback was super important for me to kind of tonally prepare you for this being a Marcy story. For this being, mm. there's something very, this is going to be a Marcy-oriented story. Even though we're going to see Anne, we're going to see Sasha, but really, when you see the beginning and you see it connect to the end where she kind of gets, you know, she gets stabbed, um, those two are bookending the story right? in a way. So for, for me, you know, we could have we played it where you, you waited to see the flashback mm-hmm. when, when Marcy was confessing. But for me personally, I, I don't think I would have liked to pull you, the audience, out of that moment and bring mm-hmm. you to a different time and space. And then, and then somehow mm. get you back. It would have been very right. difficult. It would have been difficult from my point. Of, yeah, yeah. I, I would okay. rather that you just that you let the track play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at, at that moment. But it's you know it's it's personal preference. Like storytelling is flavor, and it's you know instinct and it's personal preference. So I'm sure someone could have gotten that version working incredibly well. But this is sort of you know what I like to do in terms of like bookending stories and. And letting letting the moment just kind of play as is, right? Okay, because Th- that was something that was like it feels like this could have been there, but now with what you said, it's like no, it, you you kind of need you do kind of need that uninterrupted moment of literally Marcy panicking and being outed and all that because otherwise it's like okay, I'm in this moment, but it's like oh, pulled you to the past. Now you got to see how that p- scene plays out real quick. Then we're back to the present. It's like. It's like you basically you're con- you got the mind playing ping pong, and it shouldn't have to be doing. Yeah, that. it's a and little. I, we call it trom- tromboning. Ha, <laughs> trombone. Oh, yeah, yeah, tromboning. It, that's really good. Uh, but yeah, I think that's. But it's 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 personal preference. Right. Right. Like it, it, it does can, come down. Like to that's that. the thing about storytelling. Yeah, like you 
you can tell uh, the same story multiple ways. It could be, it could be, it could have been better that way. I don't know. It, it could have been, could have been effective in, in many different ways. And, and I think that's why, you know, when it comes to, and, you know, when it comes to criticism and it, when it comes to, you know, people's thoughts on stories, I, I really don't take any of that stuff personally because story is kind of organic and it's personal and it's what you right. want to do with the time exactly. you have. You have, you have, you have 24 minutes. How would you like to use it? You know what I mean? Like, so it's, right. it really is like, there's no, there's no real wrong answer. Even when you're like, well, I would have done it like this. That's fine. Like, that's totally cool. And like, it maybe, I don't know, maybe it could have, it could have worked. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you, but like that stuff is all like, it's all constructive. It's all in, we're all searching for the best way, you know? Right. And I, th- I think that's, that's interesting. I think you got to tackle it. It, but like I said, with your explanation, it definitely puts things in a nice perspective. It does come down to a bit. It is subjective. It's like, like for some people, they probably think the flashback should have been there. But for others, it's like yeah, the flashback was fine where it was because you like it's, like you said, it's like you need that moment to just play. It can't like no pause and skip to other part or nothing like that. It needs to be it needs to just be as heavy as it possibly can with no interruptions as is. And I think, yeah. And I think that definitely gives me more appreciation. Yeah, right. It it definitely gives me way more of appreciation for True Colors on that front. Definitely, I I, like thinking about that. Yeah, really, really think that's nice. All right. So, with animation growing more and more in popularity, and seeing many creating web content based around it, like reviews and deep analysis, as like say yours truly or others, if you engage, if you engage with any particular videos online, what do you think of this age of cartoon content creators? Like, have you ever let the awfulness of cartoon Twitter affect you? I know because as we've seen some people, it, the internet's really free. So as we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great question. And it's almost two separate things. Cause like I, I love content creators and I feel like you guys are, are doing so much work in terms of, you know, getting audiences engaged with the content, creating meaningful, constructive discussion. I feel like hype, like you guys do more for our shows than, than our own networks. We've all said that, you know what I mean? Like it's something mm-hmm. that like we feel deeply. Mm-hmm. And really, I think what your discussions are doing is they're elevating, they're elevating these shows by making these videos and talking about our shows like they deserve to be talked about, you are, you are putting them on, you know, you're, you're giving them dignity, you're giving them respect. You know what I mean? Like this stuff, right. it means a lot to me and it means a lot to my peers. I think that like by talking about them and you're, you're adults, you're basically telling the world, hey, this stuff is worth your time. And I think that's very important. Right. And it's something that is, is, is a little new. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, this wasn't something we had 20 years ago. and you know. One of my friends, Rob Renzetti, who's the creator of My Life as a Teenage Robot, he, he always is like, you guys have it mm. so good now. Like, if I wanted to find out what people <laughs> thought of an episode, I had to, like, dig. You know what I mean? Like, it was hard right. back then, like, in, in, in the late 90s to find that kind of feedback because it's not like kids were telling you. You know what I mean? Kids would eat their cereal and right. watch the cartoon and then move on with their lives. They weren't blogging about it back then. But, like, now, right. there's something so amazing about after an episode airing, watching a video, reading thoughts, and really getting a sense of feedback. Because the, the trouble with working in, in cartoons, especially cartoons for ages 8 to 12, 
is sometimes you feel like you're just kind of like screaming into the void because it's like, you know, not a lot of news outlets will review your work because they think it's for kids, you know? So it's, it's mm, tricky to get, yeah. to get genuine feedback, which brings me to the next part of your question. Has animation Twitter ever bummed me out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it bums, it bums us <laughs> it all bums out. It bums us like, all out, right? <laughs> consistently. But, you know, something that's really important for anyone who makes content, yourself included, is to just know, okay, which of these folks are actually trying to help me? Which of these folks are actually trying to make, help me tell stories better, let me improve as an artist? And and how many of y'all are just like taking the piss? Right. You know what I mean? Because like some, some people are just out here like, like the Joker. They just want to see it burn. And like, I just needed, it took me a little bit to develop an instinct for who was trying to help me and who was just not really doing that at all. Exactly. And like, you know, I, 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 I can just ignore those comments and just kind of focus on the ones that I, I really think there's folks who care about this stuff and are trying to either, you know, help us make it better or just kind of chiming in. And like, that stuff's awesome. I mean, sometimes it's too much. Like sometimes you can just, you've read one too many YouTube comments and you need to kind of put it down. Mm -hmm. I think anyone who makes content needs to train themselves to kind of Put the phone away, go away. outside sometimes. Touch some yeah. grass, like just get away touch, for a second. Touch something, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's that's honestly really interesting. I do think, because my philosophy, because as you said, with like a lot of content creators, you have some who are just out taking a piss, being overly possibly, mainly just being overly negative, probably just doing it for the clicks, doing it for the money. But it, at least for me and a few others, it's more of a, we want for, we want to actually give our genuine thoughts about these things. For me, I I had the idea of eh, I'll give my genuine thoughts, but I started realizing I'll mainly give my genuine thoughts when I'm when I really like it. And if it's negative, it's like that could just be like a small little initial, like my initial impressions of the thing, and leave it on that light yeah. video. But most of the time, I've stuck to just let me be positive. I want to like, cause, cause my thing, my thing is people keep talking about how modern cartoons are not as good as the nineties, but it's like, mm, sure. oh, they are good. Like these shows are pretty freaking good. Like if you just watch them, you would know. So that's why I always put it out that yeah. I'm trying to just put that well, out there. I want to talk about the good and, stuff that is there. And, yeah. And that incredible montage you made, like, you know, to me, what you have done is you have, you've kind of, you know, uh, you've taken that negative energy and you judo through it into something positive, right? <laughs> Ex yes, exactly. Like, I, I'm a guy who's like, I, I can get angry, I can be negative, but I'm trying, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, exactly. I have all this negative angry and not negative energy pent up. But it, someone needs to get hit with this. Who deserves it? Oh, <laughs> some punk teenagers online. Oh yes, <laughs> like let's school some people real quick. Like let's let's get the books out, teach a lesson real quick. That's so I'm like that's yeah. how I see it. It's like let's put this negative energy into something that actually helps, something that's going to be effective in getting a good message across to people that should yeah, that they yeah. need. To and know. that and that montage is like. Yeah, you're serving these kids, but you're also like you've created a really cool piece in the process. So it's kind of win-win, right? Exactly. Like that's kind of how I see it. It's like I'm teaching a lesson, but at the same time, it's like for future reference, if people need to know or even to send it to somebody who's clearly talking some nonsense, like send this that way. And they've been doing that. I constantly see this video getting sh that was, those videos getting shared. And it's like, hey, 
I'm doing some good work. It's like I've managed to do something p- good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thankfully. Exactly. Like, oh, man. I do think. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. I do think, like, us content creators, like, a lot of us do see it, like, be it, like, Roundtable or my channel or Hats Off Media, even or Wacky Deli, Toonrific Tariq, and many, like, D-Dub Man Review Your Life. Many, many people, honestly. Like, Leia. Like, they're all, we're all about, like, we, or Johnny Tuchello, sorry. <laughs> really try to get these people's names out, sorry. But, like, it's all about, like, we want to do something positive for the things we love. Because we love animation. And it makes no sense that we're yeah. that we're just letting it be ruled over by a bunch of, for lesser, for non kinder words, usable hacks. Like let's like let's actually get people yeah. who love the medium to talk about this stuff. And I think that's what our biggest philosophy is. And I think that's just an amazing thing happening. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. No, and and we we really appreciate it. Like anyone anyone who makes a show and watches content, like. I mean, nothing makes our day more, honestly. So that's something I, I wish, I hope you guys know that. Oh, yeah. I, I think we all, uh, like, we all, like, definitely feel gassed up whenever you guys, like, like or retweet or even respond to something. Like, I, I definitely was feeling happy when you, uh, when you and Hannah, like, followed me back after I made that uh, video. I was like, oh, wow, they made it to them. <laughs> Like I was just hoping to just say something really nice, or or just say something defending them. And that's it. I didn't I didn't expect anything to come out of it, but I'm glad something did uh, at the end of the day. And I think that's I think that's what I really like is that we managed to help fix slight like we're still fixing that gap that is happening with content creators and animation industry people. Like I think that's something I it's just amazing that we're able to finally fix this bridge that's been just deteriorating for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy. Oh yeah. So with season two, we saw a major step up in the animation and design of the show so much. So it managed to gain an Annie. What was a bit of the process for the upgrade? Cause we definitely saw like smoother animation styles, definitely more unique, uses of like positioning and design for characters and re- a real step up, especially like for the f- uh, super say and scene <laughs> from true colors, like definitely want to know, like what was the process for all that? So, you know, um, it has a lot to do with organically the show is growing and, um, you know, we're seeing different sides of it. We're, we're going on this road trip already we're like we need a cg wagon you know what i mean so like that was expensive (laughs) and then we're seeing all these new locations and we want them to be as cool as we can you know so that you really feel like this fantasy world is real Mm -hmm. and then we're doing these temples and those need to look amazing so they live up to your expectations so i think that really we were organically pushed into doing our best work in this season and then and with that you know and using her powers for the first time we knew that moment just had to be amazing. Oh, yes. It had to be wonderful. And so that meant, well, we got to call in the troops. We got to call in the, in the SWAT <laughs> team. You know what I mean? Right. Like it needs to be, it needs to live up to the expectations of Spriggs, like death. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So like, I think that we really were motivated by the story and by the escalation of the show. And I think that season one, you know, it mostly all took place in Wartwood. Mm-hmm. which meant that we were restricted with what we could design and what we could show. Right. But in season two, we really like, I mean, the floodgates opened and, and we could do all these really fun, uh, creative things and push ourselves. So I think, I think organically the story helped us do that. Right. 
I think that's definitely something that shows like you guys, you pick the you pick the right pivotal moments to say this definitely needs to upgrade. This definitely needs to be where it's like we're pop. We got to pop off. We got to get some heavy shit hitting. We right have to here. pop. It's exactly like when we, we got the Super Saiyan scene, it's like we got to go. This needs to be AMV quality type of animation shit. We, like someone's going to be get, yeah. like, like someone uh, get on it, get on it, get, take this scene, put it in AMV somewhere. Some or something like that. I'll be, I worked that one. Exactly. <laughs> like the quality, the quality must, what uh, must equal the emotion. Exactly. And I think that's definitely something that really hits the audience way more because you're just like, Oh, the scene is even more powerful now. It's not because it, if it was just the standard animation, it's like it hits, but it's not it's, it's not as like like in the heart. It's like you're not hitting it in the heart like it needs to be hitting right now. Like this needs to be like I'm going to be shaking, which, like I said, I was shaking like my hands were constantly. Yeah. I was like really guess. So I was like, ah, dude, <laughs> dude. Well, you know, and so we we, we bought um uh, uh um. Small Boo, which they're they're a boutique animation studio, and they're great. They made Batman Piter Man, which is just like the funniest thing ever. I <laughs> I remember watching that all the time when I was younger. And they're also like amazing action animators, and so I was so happy we got to work with them. They were they were absolutely brilliant. They plussed it. They did such a good job. And you know, I know that like anyone who grew up watching DBZ knew what we were after. That that the the moment where Goku goes Super Saiyan for the first time, it's like. It's like mythology, man. Right. You know I mean? Like it's so good, and it's so like there's something about it that was like what I'm watching right now, like is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And I, I we really wanted to give a similar quality to this moment for Anne, this girl who like you know she's not into video games and anime and and and, and all this stuff, but she has found herself with this mantle thrust upon her. She will. She's right. becoming this thing. You exactly. know what I mean? And like we wanted it to be this this moment that felt like that felt like when Frieza had killed Krillin, where you were just like, this is a point of no return for all of these characters. I think, and I think that's honestly excellent. Like it, because it did, it very much has that feeling of the Frieza killing Krillin moment. Like you definitely see it's like, Oh, Oh, this is what we were building up this this whole time. Okay, okay, okay. You you have me now. I even more than you already did. I gotta see what's next. Like, and I think that's what really solidifies it for yeah. season three. It's like, okay, like where do we go next? Like, yeah, ugh. like because you yeah. guys are building really yeah, heavily. And there's this, yeah, like oh yeah, and like you know we've got our Jenga tower too. So <laughs> it's it is right. so satisfying to see to see you know our our kind of like domino pieces fall down and and for you guys to enjoy it so much means the world to us like you know what i love too about this super saiyan scene or really the goku scene is just it's intrinsically there's a moment where you you've just pushed a person too far like you know and we all know it we all know how that feels like to just been like mm-hmm. any and any, any force like not even a person but but nature or or anything like when you've pushed it too far, it like explodes. You know what I mean? And like, I just right. feel like we wanted that same feeling where it's just like, Andreas, you just, you went too far. You, you know what I mean? Like uh, in this moment right. and you're going to suffer the consequences because of it. Exactly. I think that's what, that's what makes it really emotion, really strong is that it's like, yeah. And has been, 
you know, she just got betrayed by Marcy, betrayed again by Sasha. It's like, and now she just saw yeah. her friend get thrown, chucked out a like ten thousand foot window. Yeah, really. Like it's it's what it's really. like. Gloves she's off, like, done. She's like, <laughs> yes, yes. She's like, it's been a hell of a day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm done. Exactly. It's like I like someone. Someone's just gonna catch. Gotta catch hands re- real quick. I don't care who. Well, okay, I care. Exactly. Who's like I got. Like someone's just gotta feel these fists <laughs> right now. <laughs> I think exactly that's right. really exactly great. Right. Oh man! So okay, this this is a thing because I I really really like General Yunnan, and there was sort of this thing where we saw General Yunnan actually help fight alongside Anne and the gang, but we didn't see her go with them to Earth. Is it safe to assume she and Olivia were captured or made it with Sasha and Grimes? Or made it out with Sasha and Grimes, like it's that. That's a spoiler. That is a spoiler. I can't Damn. answer that. I was I was doing good until that. Dang. I was having all the information except that one. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, yeah. damn. I was like, I knew it. It's like I knew. I had, there's going to be one question that's going to very much get hit with the spoiler. Can't say nothing. So, ah, uh, oh well. But um. We're rounding off. We're close to rounding off. Uh, are there any misconceptions about being in the industry you definitely want to like dispel? Like, you know, you constantly see on cartoon Twitter people saying spouting off dumb shit. That's like, that's incorrect. Why, why are you saying that? Is it, so is there anything like you want to dispel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no one. <laughs> no one is lazy. So I, I see this a lot where. Where, you know, oh, this show looks the way it is because somebody was lazy. Or, or, oh, this show looks the way it is because somebody didn't care enough or work hard enough. And the truth is, is just every show is its own little economy and its own little ecosystem. And there are so many things that need to line up for these shows to come out looking great. And sometimes something gets messed up and everyone's still doing their best and, and doing their hardest and working, working their asses off. And you know, sometimes you're not happy with the end result, but that's not a reflection of how hard people oh, yeah. worked on it. So like, that's, that's sort of what I would kind of plead with folks is just like, try to give people the benefit of the doubt and be generous. Because I think that like, you know, we're all doing our best and we're working so hard. And like, you know, you don't know, you never know the circumstances under which something got made. Right. And, you know, I think just to say like, oh, they're lazy or, oh, they didn't work hard enough is like, it's a huge disservice to, to, yeah, to my peers and to me and like, you know, everything that we're trying to do here. So I would just, I would just think a little bit before you, you go ahead and, and slap a label on, on, on folks like that. Right. Exactly. I think, I think that's something I've always been constantly trying to push. The idea is like people who keep trying to say, oh, animation is lazy. It's like, here's the thing you and like the angel of hats off media has told me this you have to be insane to want to do animation because you know what animation is it's taking individual frames and making them move it's really really difficult like it, like these people are not paid enough and for you guys to be spouting off of that is lazy it's like go do it yourself and you will see oh these people are just insane. They're not lazy. They're just insane at that point. And they need raises. They need money. They yeah. need some therapy. Like we need, we need to support these people. They need therapy for sure. Like, it's, it's so much so. And there are, there are these colossal forces at play. The, the networks, the, the, the cable companies, you know what I mean? The industry. And they're all, 
You know what I mean? Like there are these these huge floating like UFOs above us that could just just abduct someone at any moment. You know what I mean? Or shoot a laser down and blow something up. And it's so hard to to you know we we have we don't have as much right. control as you think we do. I think is what you exactly. Know, what I'm it's always to say. a matter of there's like we're in a society that has bosses and. Be it, no matter what, you're gonna have people who mm. who say nope. It's uh, like, does it affect the money? Mm-hmm. Is it affecting the money? Is it affects the money? Nope, can't do it. Like that's what people kind of got to understand. It's like you have that people have bosses, and you have to listen to your bosses. Otherwise, you don't get anything made, and that's just kind of how it is. Like, yeah, it, we it, we wish it could be better. Yeah, and like we're out here fighting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. We, we, yeah, but you know. The stuff you do love, I think, like, love it more because it's a miracle that it exists. Exactly. Like, that's what it is. It's like, you just got to appreciate the stuff that you do have because, <laughs> you know, it took a lot of hard work and a lot of the stuff very much shines through. Yeah. And. And and I don't want to say that, like, I'm I'm we're afraid of criticism. We're not. That's not what right. I'm saying. I'm just saying that, like, you know, yeah, have some, have a little bit of respect. Like, I think we all, we all love criticism and we all love, we all want to improve our, our craft right. because I've seen this comment so much as, well, why can't I give criticism? Don't you want to make your thing better? And it's like, absolutely. But you can deliver that criticism in a, in a, in a manner that is constructive. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the trick. It's how you deliver. Your note could be amazing, but how the note is given will, will mean the world of difference. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's like, you can give your criticism, but you can't be an asshole. Like, that otherwise your criticism don't exactly. mean nothing. You might as well just throw it in the garbage. Yeah, probably not going to take exactly. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's really how it always comes down to. Just be like plain and simple. Have respect because we are all human beings trying to get by, mm. doing the best we can. And sometimes, and mm. you just got to be willing to just Amen. say, "Yeah, like you did. You're doing your best. I appreciate that." And I appreciate you and the crew yeah. very much with all the hard work you guys put in for season two. And just before we go, I would like to ask if, if there's any hints you want to give for season three, if, if that if that's in the cards, if you feel like it. Well, you know, hints, no, because like, honestly, like the season three main titles that was released is like way more than like I wanted you guys to know at this point. <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Makes perfect sense. So. So. So I would just say in, enjoy the main titles, you know, and 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 look forward to season three. Uh, we're so happy with the reception of season two, and know that we are we are doing our best to one up ourselves in season three. All right, all right. So for everybody who's very much interested, if you want to check out Amphibia, it's coming. All of it, or more or less, seasons one and two will be all on Disney Plus June fourth. More or less, season two coming to. June disney plus june 4th and you can check it out and definitely hop on board because it's definitely getting crazy and you definitely don't want to miss season three i highly recommend checking it out now but i really want to say this now i really appreciate you matt braley for coming on and talking and having a great time and just speaking as much as you can and saying everything about what you love and doing the craft i really appreciate it my pleasure thank you so much for having me and thanks for everything you do All right. Thank thank you so much. And everybody, just remember, it's just a thought. The opinions expressed in this are of the individual guests and only of the individual guests and not of their employers.